He said to his disciples, it's inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. Lord, this morning as we, as we take a little time to focus on the subject of forgiveness, I pray that God, you will meet with us this morning. You will touch our lives in a new way today by the power of your spirit and by the power of your word. I pray, God, in the place of brokenness, there would be healing. I pray, God, in the place of hurt, there would be restoration. I pray, God, in the place of alienation, there would be renewal of relationship to you and to others. And we thank you for it. We commit this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Forgiveness is, is such a central biblical message. God himself has taken the initiative on the issue of forgiveness. And, and he's basically calling to us. He's calling to you. He's calling to me to repent, to come, to respond to him. Right. If we'll only come, if we'll only humble ourselves, if we'll only yield our lives to the Lord, uh, God, will, God says, I want to forgive you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to free you. Listen, listen to the different things. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Micah chapter 7, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity, he will have compassion. He will tread down our iniquities. He will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acts 26. This is Paul's calling. To open their eyes. This is what Jesus said. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Why? That they may receive the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness is central in each of our relationship to God. And I just want you to bow your heads with me this morning. If if you're able to, could you... Some of you can't, I know, because of, of... leg or knee issues, but, but if you can, could you just get on your knees for a second? I just felt impressed this morning that we needed to do this. Could you just get on your knees before the Lord? And I'm, I'm going to join you.
Lord, we just humble ourselves before you. And we thank you this morning for your forgiveness. We thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. We receive your forgiveness this morning. We receive your cleansing this morning. We reject the lie of the enemy that says that our sin hangs as a dark cloud over our life for the rest of our life. We accept the fact that you paid the price for us so that we could be free from our sin. And we say this morning, humbly we say, thank you, Jesus. Would you say, thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving. Thank you for cleansing. Thank you for new life in Christ. Thank you, God, for casting our sea in the, in the depths of, 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 of the sea, never to be, be remembered against us anymore. Never, never, never. And so we accept with joy and with humility the reality of your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering this morning? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for cleansing. If that's all we did this morning, that'd be enough. But I'm not done. All right. Um, so, so forgiveness is not only central in, in your relationship to God, but it, it's, it's central in, in human relationship as well. Statistics tell us that every... Every year, every year, 5,000 missionaries leave their field of calling. And high on the list as far as the reason they leave is because of marriage and family difficulties and unresolved personal conflicts, either in family or between those that they're working with. As we read from Luke chapter 17, it would be better, Jesus says, it would be better that you would experience premature death. It would be better that a stone would be attached to your neck and you were thrown into the midst of the sea than to cause someone to stumble. So he's dealing with here, the context of all of this is the issue of forgiveness. The scriptures just shout forgiveness. One of the words that's used is found in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, where it says, God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The word reconciliation is the word catalasso, which means to change the change in the part of one that is induced by the action of another. The change in the part of one that is induced by the action of another. Forgiveness doesn't happen just on its own. God has called us to his standard of forgiveness. Someone has to take the initiative. God took the initiative on your behalf. And God is calling you to take the initiative in the area of forgiveness as well. John chapter 13, Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I've loved you. 
Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13, he says, be kind, forgiving as God in Christ has forgiven you. You've got to be kidding me. Paul says we are to forgive like Christ. That's beyond comprehension. That's, 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 a, that's a jump too high. That's, that's impossible for any of us to accomplish. You can't do that. I can't do that. That's a bridge too far for all of us in our own lives. We can only forgive by the grace and by the power of God. You cannot do it alone. In fact, in, in, in verse 4, Jesus said, if somebody comes to you seven times in one day and, and asks for forgiveness, you're to forgive them. And Peter wondered if, if Jesus was actually telling the truth there. And so later on in Matthew chapter 18, he says, Jesus, is that true that we're supposed to forgive somebody seven times in one day? And Jesus said, no, it's not true. He said, oh, that's what I thought. <laughs> and then Jesus said, 70 times seven. How about that? <laughs> you know, our, our, our response is if somebody comes and asks for, for forgiveness and then they come back and do it again, we say, well, they weren't genuine. They didn't mean it, you know, because if they meant it, it wouldn't happen again. But, but Jesus, that's not reality. How many have had to deal with things more than once? I mean, I mean it's just reality for all of our lives. And, and so the scripture doesn't, doesn't uh, live in the world of unreality. It lives in the world of reality. So, so in Luke chapter 17, um, we see here what, what I call the full circle of forgiveness. And, and, and Jesus doesn't start with, with, with the act of forgiveness. He starts with offense. How many offended somebody this week? Come on. Come on, honest. Good. Rest of your life. You know, we probably all did at one point or another, right? Uh, you know, and, 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 so, and, and so Jesus said, if, if somebody blows it, if somebody offends, if, if somebody sins against somebody, it's as common as breathing, what is he to do? What are you to do if somebody sins against you? No. No. No, that, that's not what Jesus says. That, that's, that's what we say, but that's not what Jesus says. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. That sounds encouraging, doesn't it? Mark, stand up here for a second. Um, I'm going to use him as, as an illustration. He knew I was going to use him, but he didn't know why or how. Okay, so, so most of us, when we think of rebuke, we think of this, Right? Right? You think, okay, that's rebuke, right? It's not. The word rebuke literally means to put your arm around somebody's shoulder and point in the right, right direction and say, let's go the right direction. Keep walking, buddy. Okay. <laughs> I won't fight. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so, so we're going to head the right direction, all right? That, by the way, we all know, you, you can be seated, Mark. You, we all know that's how the Holy Spirit responds to us. When he rebukes you, he doesn't jerk you around, right? How many have ever been jerked around by the Holy Spirit? No, no, no. He doesn't jerk you around. 
You've experienced the gentle, kind response of God. Sometimes he has to do it forcefully in our lives, but, but it's still that, that gentle, kind response of the Holy Spirit. How many are grateful for that? Man, I'm so grateful that God does, has never jerked me around. He's been grieved sometimes, but not that. So he says, if, you're, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Lovingly, patiently, long-suffering, confrontation, confrontation. So many never get there. We live in denial. We bury it. We bitter it. It takes Holy Spirit courage to actually deal with an issue. You know, the worst thing to do with cancer is to ignore it, to say it's not there, right? Same thing. So oftentimes, we don't even get started in the full circle of forgiveness because we just, we won't deal with it. We won't confront the issue. We won't confront the elephant in the room. And so God is calling us to do that, to lovingly, patiently confront. And then the scripture says, if the person who is being confronted repents, you're to forgive them. So, so full forgiveness and reconciliation in this full circle of forgiveness doesn't happen without the person that is in, in the wrong being willing to humble themselves and acknowledge wrong. It's really not a big thing. We make it a big thing. It's a huge roadblock, though, isn't it? Somebody has to be willing to say, I was wrong, I am sorry, will you forgive me? All right, turn to somebody beside you. Some of you have your spouse beside you, so that's just perfect. Others of you have a friend beside you, that's different. Okay, so, all right, so turn to somebody. No, come on, come on, do this. And, and look at them and, and, and say these words, I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? For some of you, that may have been the first time in your life you ever acknowledged that you were wrong. No, I'm sure. <laughs> it's always somebody else, right? <laughs> I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? See, when, when we stubbornly refuse to do that, we, we please the devil and we grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4. I read, uh, I quoted one of the verses, but let me, let me read more. Let, verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So when we, in our pride, in our arrogance, refuse to acknowledge wrong, we grieve the Holy Spirit. So it starts with offense. We lovingly confront, which leads to the person who is wrong repenting 
And upon that basis, we are to forgive. Forgiveness is, is sometimes instantaneous. Sometimes it's kind of like, boom. Hey, I forgive you. No big deal. I, I forgive you. It's fine. Other times it's progressive. The word forgiveness means to open your hand. And sometimes opening your hand is just, boom, all at once. And sometimes there's a process where you almost have to open your fingers, huh? And open your hand. Uh, it's, it's a process of acting in grace. It's a process of releasing someone to refuse to hold it over their heads, to refuse to establish a sin anniversary. Refusing to grip or embrace or nurture our hurt. Refusing to dream about vengeance. Can you do this? No. Neither can I. We are totally dependent upon God to forgive biblically. Now, the full circle of forgiveness works absolutely leading to healed relationships when everyone cooperates. <laughs> okay? When offense happens, we lovingly confront the person who is guilty humbles himself, repents, there's forgiveness, and there's reconciliation. And that's the way relationships are to work. Healthy relationships, you know, I get nervous when I'm around people who says, you know, we've never had an argument in all of our life. I'm thinking, where in the world do you live? That's crazy. You know. This is healthy relationship. Healthy relationship is working through difficult decisions and wrong decisions that we've made in our lives, and it's possible in each and every one of our lives. But what happens when the full circle of forgiveness is blocked? Somebody doesn't confront the issue. Somebody doesn't repent. Somebody doesn't forgive. It's blocked. So what do we do? Are we done? Okay. <clears throat> my, my dad was, was, an, was an Assembly of God pastor, um, but he died when I was four years old from kidney failure. Uh, five years later, when I was about um, nine, my, my mother remarried. I was very excited about having a new dad. Um, kind of turned into a nightmare. And... Um, uh, my stepfather was, was a Christian, but he's got, he had a lot of issues. And um, uh, he became very abusive to my mother and, and to me as well. And, and I lived with that. I left home as soon as I could. <laughs> so, so I was old enough to get out of the house, I did. And uh, went on my way. And God began to deal with me about the full circle of forgiveness. So I, you know, I began to recognize I needed to do this with Jack. And so one day I went to his house. Um, my mom and him by that time were separated. Went to his house and, and I said, Jack, I, I need to talk to you. And I'd like to talk to you in the garage. Because I didn't know what, was, what would happen. I didn't want to have us break up the furniture in the house. So we went in the garage to have this conversation. And I began to tell him some of the things that happened as I grew up. Um, 
knocked my mom down the stairs, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, I mean, many of you have, 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 have had difficult experiences very, very similarly. And I told him, I said, Jack, if I, if I would have had a gun, I would have blown your head off. And he looked at me. And, and, and of course, I, I came with intent. <laughs> I came with a sense of expecting reconciliation, that he would humble himself, that he would, he would, he would, he would say, Dave, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. I was, I was ready to forgive him. And, uh, and he looked at me and he said, Dave, he said, I don't remember any one of those events. As far as I'm concerned, it never happened. And he walked out of the room. And I'm standing there thinking, I'm done. <laughs> I am done. I, I did what I could. He wouldn't respond. I am finished with this. And I walked out of his house. But God wasn't done with me. And so he began to deal with me. Jesus' words in Luke chapter 23, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There was no repentance there. Stephen, Acts chapter 7, Lord, do not hold, them, hold, hold this sin against them. Again, no repentance there. They're actually in the, in the process of, of, of killing Jesus, killing Stephen, when they're saying those words. And then I was reminded of Mark chapter 11, verse 25, when it says, when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything <laughs> against anyone. Unconditional so that your heavenly Father will forgive you. Wow. I was struck with that. And I thought, God, this is a different level of forgiveness that I've never experienced, that I don't know anything about. That kind of forgiveness may have little to no impact on the guilty person, but it will have huge impact on you. To forgive leads to freedom. It means that you are no longer held hostage to somebody else's wrong decisions, even if they're not willing to take responsibility for what they've done. What's the opposite? The opposite is to hold your hurt into your heart. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that when that happens, bitterness defiles many. It causes us to fall short of the grace of God. It defiles and it spreads like a like a fire, and it leads to a hardened heart. So God led me to Luke chapter 6, where Jesus said, love who? Your enemies. How do you love an enemy? Somebody that's still your enemy, present tense, an enemy. How do you love an enemy? Does that mean you, you go to Starbucks with them every week? Does that mean you, you hang out all the time? No, no. It doesn't necessarily mean any of that. Loving your enemy. I, I had to grapple with what does it mean to love my enemy? <laughs> How do I deal with that? And I began to recognize that, that to love my enemy, I needed to have a change of heart. God needed to change my heart from hurt and anger to compassion. And I began to see Jack in a different way. I began to see him as a young man that had experienced some, some very difficult things in his own life. 
And God began to work in my own life to recognize the very source of his issues, at least some of them. You have to start there. You can't, you can't move on until, until God changes your heart. You have to pray that God changes your heart, not their heart, but yours. So that God will give you the same compassion he has for them. How many are grateful that God loves stinking sinners? You, you better, since that's who we all are. Love your enemies. God began to change my heart. He says, bless those who curse you. I recognize the power of words. The power of word pictures. James talks about it very clearly. The power of words, they're like a fire. The tongue is is uncontrollable. (laughs) You see, when... Well, I'll, I'll just I'll just tell you a quick story. We were my my mom had come to visit us. We were past this, this process took me years. By the way, <laughs> this was not like a light switch experience for me. This this took a long time. So I'm pastoring in Cloquet, Minnesota, and and church is growing, and we're having a great time. And my mom came to visit, and we took her up the North Shore. And I one day took her by myself, and we went up to a restaurant up in Two Harbors, Minnesota. And uh, we were saying have lunch. And we're talking about the good old days. And uh, I began to recognize that every time I started talking about what happened, I'd get angry all over again. (laughs) I'd feel justified. You know, all over again. And I recognized that words are like shooting up drugs. You, you feel something. You feel the power of that. You feel the hurt of that. You are reliving it through your own words. And in the middle of our conversation, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I told my mom, I am done. We're not going to talk about this anymore. This is not doing us any good to talk about how horrible it was. I'll never forget that day. Bless those who curse you. Number three is this issue of doing good, tangible, Holy Spirit-directed acts of kindness. I didn't, I didn't want to do anything good to Jack, but God called me to do random acts of kindness. Matthew 5 talks about that they may see your good works. Ephesians 2 talks about us being created for good works. Matthew 5 talks about the rain falling on the just and the unjust. Romans chapter 2 talks about the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And I recognize that, hey, God not only wanted me to have a compassionate heart, God not only wanted me to quit talking negatively about that person, but God wanted me also to do acts of kindness towards them. 
And then lastly, pray for them. Well, I was praying for them. I was praying for him. I was praying that God would shake him until his teeth fell out. I was praying that, that, he, that God would lead a bus right in front of him and God would bring cancer in his life. I, I mean anything, whatever, what, whatever it takes. You know, have you ever prayed that? God, whatever it takes, you know. Okay, that's, that's the kind of prayer I was praying. And the Lord said to me, I want you to pray that I would be good to him, that I would be merciful, that I would be kind, that I would bless him and I would provide for him. I would pour my grace upon him. And then he died. <laughs> Pastor Bob, I'll never, never forget standing at his casket, his open casket, and looking at Jack, Jack's body. Jack was gone, but looking at Jack's body and thanking God that God had helped me to forgive him. Now, let me just say, it wasn't over then. How many know you need to keep weeding the garden? Yeah. <laughs> it wants to come back. It does. It does. It wants to come back. And you got to deal with it sometimes, many, many times. But as you do, you will maintain your place of freedom and victory because of the goodness of God. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, I thank you for your presence in our lives. How patient you have been with me. How patient you've been with all of us. Lord, help us not to evade the elephant in the room. Help us, Lord, if, if we're hurt or offended, that we deal with that. And if we're the guilty party, I pray, God, you will help us to humble ourselves and to take responsibility for our wrongs. And God, I pray you will help all of us to be able to open our hand, whether immediately or gradually, and offer forgiveness to those who have hurt and wounded us. Lord, and I pray especially for people in this room who have attempted all of that, but it's not worked because the person that they've confronted lovingly has not responded. It's function in denial. Because sometimes it's just too hard to admit what we've done. Help us, Lord, to love our enemies, to bless those who curse us, to do good to those who hate us, <laughs> and to pray for those 
who despitefully use us and persecute us. Only by your grace, only by your power, I pray that God, for people right in this room this morning, that Lord, you will give them courage and strength to be and to do what you're calling them to do in their own personal lives. And I pray that you'll help all of us to walk in the freedom that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, amen.